Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Our next guest is a huge Dodger fan. First pitch in the National League uh, Division Series between the Padres and the Dodgers is coming up in about seven minutes. Padres at the Dodgers. Dodgers leading that series one game to none. You think you're going to get out of here in seven minutes, Jonathan Smith, to watch your Dodgers? What do you think's going on here? Well, yeah, I got it. I got the TV on in the background here, so I'm going to wait. I'll let you know when Kershaw gets out there for the first pitch. All right, I'll let you know. <laughs> that sounds good. Hey, what do you have to say to Mariners fans? That was brutal. Uh, you know what? It was. There's no question. Um, I will tell you though. Like, yeah, it's one game, and you got to be able to reload. And the Mariners are ready to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah tough way to lose a game. But let's face it, it's a five-game series, and we're ready to reload and go again tomorrow. You guys uh, went down to Stanford and won. I think anytime you win on the road in this conference, you got to celebrate it. I don't think it was lucky, though. And I'm going to tell you why, and then I'm going to let you go. Silas Bolden, fantastic catch. Great throw by Gulbrinson. Uh You found something in your zone run game late in the third quarter, and you guys you went right to it in the fourth quarter. You got big plays from Damian Martinez and others. You outgained Stanford. Yes, you, uh, Treshawn Harrison makes a great play at the end of the game. Two Stanford guys didn't. That's not luck. You make your own luck, don't you? Well, yeah, I, I, there, there's some truth to that, what you're saying. I mean, the, the fourth quarter is when you win the game. Uh, you got to be able to execute and make plays for four full quarters. Um, and beyond just those offensive plays, I mean, the defense had to come up with a stop, and they were able to do it to get us the opportunity to have the ball again, and then we throw, you know, two completions before Trayshawn's to move the ball a little bit closer, and and obviously Trayshawn makes the huge play to win the game. Did Ben Gulbrinson do enough to get another start? Where are you with Chance Nolan right now? Yeah, I think Ben's headed towards starting. I mean, we'll make the final call here the last couple of days, but I think Ben is headed toward doing it again, and he did. He did some really solid things for a first start on the road, which I want to get, say this, it gives Stanford some credit. They played their best football game. They played all year, created some issues for us. Uh, but Ben was solid, man. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over on us, uh, got us in the right plays, was pretty pretty good with his decision-making, getting guys chances down the field. Um, and so I was, you know, for our first start on the road, Ben did a lot of good things. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, he took care of the ball. You guys, what was different play calling first half, second half, or was it more execution? that you were getting a result? Well, you know, I think we got some some throws down the field in the second half uh, than more than we did in the first. Like, you're getting that. We found a couple of run, run schemes. Like, Damian Martinez, long run, did an awesome job on the outside zone. The backside was really a critical part of that play that we did a whole lot better in the, the second half a couple times than we did in the first. Um, and so, you know, that's how momentum and, and, and plays are are made so I don't think it was drastically different than the garage of the play calling but we just emphasized some stuff that um, that worked a little better it looked like the backs were looking for better cuts in that third and fourth quarter is that something you're coaching on the sideline telling your guys look the lanes are there look for the cut or is it just 
they already know this stuff, and if you execute it, they should already be in position to make those plays. There's some times in the game you got to tell these backs to continue to trust the, the track they're on. And, and really, if you trust your track you're on, the way it's getting blocked for, the cuts you need to make are on the second level against yeah. the secondary, not trying to be making cuts on the three technique or the linebacker. Um, and, again, there's a field of playing running back, let's face it, and we've got three different guys doing some doing some good stuff. But Damien's, in particular, he made some guys miss at the next level. That's when he put his foot in the ramp. It's a lot of fun to watch that finish. What was, you know, here's here's something else, though. You're interviewed right after the game. You're cu- you're cool as a cucumber. Like, just level. Yeah. But inside, are you going nuts? But you know, like, hey, I don't, I, I don't need to do a cartwheel here on television. Well, I, I'm try- I was not ready to do some cartwheels. There's no question. I need to check myself. Because ultimately, you're trying to go on the road to win a game, and we did that. But all I could think about was so many issues that we got to clean up and do better, especially going back to those first three quarters. Um, that's maybe just the coach and me. Um, but, again, we were excited to win. Just like any day after the after a win or a loss, we're back to work, and we had a lot to clean up. Washington State's front seven, very disruptive. What do they look like? What are they doing on film? Yeah, athletic and physical at the line of scrimmage, man. Those two edges is as good as we played all year, uh, coming off the edge, sacking the quarterback. These linebackers running the ball, number one, is good, as good a player defensively, I think, is in the league. You see all his tackles for loss, uh, sacking the quarterback himself. This is a good scheme with good players that believe in it. They play hard. They're athletic. Uh, a real, real talent, a legitimate, I think, one of the best defenses in our league and we'll, we'll see all year. You know, offensively, though, they can be explosive. The quarterback is tough to get down, understands what they're trying to accomplish offensively, spitting the ball out to the receivers in a hurry, buys some time in the pocket. they still got a little bit of a run game. Um, and, you know, I think they're a little bit similar to their season and ours. I mean, both of us are 4-2. They've lost two games to really good teams, top I don't know, 15 or so, just like us. Um, and so they're playing some good football, coming to our place. We're going to have to play really well to earn a win. What do you think the home field is worth in the Pac-12? I mean, in the NFL, they'll say three points, but I, I, I think it's more like eight or ten. And, you know, Jack Coletto, your linebacker, he, he thinks it's 14. What's the home field worth? Like, not your home field, but just in general. Yeah, in general, I mean, it's worth probably more than three points, I would say, in the Pac-12. I'd say that some places in our league probably way more than three points, including Bridger Stadium. I'm going to need it again. The energy makes it difficult to operate offensively when the crowd's in it, the noise is going, the defensive players' energy that comes from a crowd that's behind them. Um, And so we're going to need it. I know that. And, you know, going down the whole league, let's face it, there's some tough places to play in this league, a lot of them in the Northwest. Um, and and we need to have home field advantage this Saturday. Is Kershaw on the mound yet? No, they're interviewing uh, Juan Soto right now, it looks like. So You're, first pitch hasn't happened quite yet. Who's your favorite all-time Dodger? Oh, yeah. Uh, from Fernando Venezuela, probably. You know, I was young, but yeah. this guy was out there. He was epic. And, and even I'll go back on looking at some stuff. This guy, uh, just a huge Dodger favorite of everybody and pitched big time for us man that guy when when he came into the league i mean i think it was like about his third season he won 19 games i was a giant fan oh i just i couldn't stand the guy because he was so damn good and and, yeah. and left-handed and uh oh, phenomenal competitor yeah. 
Yeah, they've been, uh, you know, being a Dodger, but there's been some great, great players, obviously, in the National League and the NL West, Giants, Dodgers, but he always just stood out to me. I enjoyed, because we used to go to a bunch of games growing up, yeah. and any time he was starting, you know, because each game you go to, he wasn't always starting, but when we caught a couple, it was pretty fun. All right, uh, you you get this game at home. You got the crowd at home. Um, in obviously, it's a big conference game. But m- meanwhile, big story going on in the NFL with all the roughing the passer stuff. And I, I don't need you to be tuned into that. But how do you coach that with your defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties who might be on a blitz? How do you coach a guy to make the right football play, but also avoid the roughing, avoid the targeting? You know, I, I think it's a tough thing to ask of a defender. It is. It's not easy because you want these guys being fast and physical and going. Changes things when you can get around the quarterback, let alone sack them. Uh, but then you got to have quick, instant decision making when you get around them. If that ball's released, you can't hit them high in the helmet. You can't get even. You can't even hit them low. You can't throw them to the ground late. Um, so it's not simple. I, I appreciate our guys' effort and you know just being aware around the queue. But this thing is not easy, not just for us, but everyone in the in college football and the NFL. And I get it from the NFL's end. They need to protect those guys. Those guys are super valuable to each organization, the starting quarterback. And so it's not an easy thing. Do you think that should be reviewable, that they go, hey, a roughing the passer should be a let's go to the booth and determine, or is that something that should be done on the field only? You know, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. That would be interesting because it does change things, and it's a delicate. If I'm a referee, yeah, that's uh, how hard. I'm calling that. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. All right, I'm gonna let you go watch that Dodger game. Go get after it. Congrats on the win last week. Get this one. It'll be a lot of fun to see it. And uh, you know, uh, good luck to you this week, and keep doing what you're doing. Hey, you're coming down, right? It's homecoming. Homecoming, man. Yeah. I, I'm always around that program. I got my kids in the stands. She's there. I mean, everybody's locked into what's going on with you guys. So, Nice. Okay, yeah. so we'll see you. Yeah, it'll be All a great right. crowd. All right. Jonathan Smith. There he is. Oregon State coach. Um, how are you feeling about Oregon State, Washington State, guys? How are you feeling about this game? I think that... Oregon State certainly got a shot. You know, I kind of leave it to a coin flip a little bit with Oregon State and Washington State. I've kind of put these two programs together a little bit. You know, I think of them as, you know, fifth and sixth, maybe sixth and seventh, kind of the middle of the conference right now. But I know Washington State's got some big injuries. You know, one of their top receivers, they're uh, they're running back, Nakia Watson. They're a little bit banged up. So I I think Oregon State's got a good shot, and I think I'm going to pick Oregon State. A little spoiler into our picks coming later this week. I think I'm going to pick Oregon State because of those injuries, but I think it's two pretty even teams. Yeah, I, I love the fact Oregon State beat at home. I think that's a real big yeah. thing. You know, we saw that last season going undefeated at home, and then when they played USC, how good that defense was in Corvallis. I think that continues against Washington State who, you know, I'm coming around on their offense. I'm not completely sold yet on Cam Ward and that offense, so I think Oregon State will get them. I think it's going to be a great game. Like, I, I think the premier game in the conference on the weekend is USC and Utah in Salt Lake City. So much at stake there, but I'm looking at this game. I really have been on the fence with Washington State and Oregon State. I have been back and forth because on one hand, um, I look at the games that Oregon State has won this year, and, you know, they beat Stanford, they they beat Boise State, they beat Fresno State, they beat Montana State, uh, you know, that the level of competition for their wins 
is not – this would be their best win, right? If they beat Washington State, this is going to be the best opponent that they've beat to this point. Do you think that Washington State is better than Fresno State with Jake Hayner in Fresno? It's, it's hard. I, like I think Washington, Washington State, State is – I like Washington State a little more. A little, little more, but it's, it's close given the, the field. But I think, it would be their, I think it would be their best win. If they if they can beat Washington State at home this week, that said, I I am looking at the guys that are out for Washington State. Um, my it, to me it comes down to Ben Gulbrinson. If if like he's not the most mobile guy, and so that gives me a little bit of pause against a defense that's pretty disruptive and has some edge guys, as Jonathan Smith mentioned there. I also think it's kind of an elimination game in this Pac-12 championship race. You know, both these teams have two losses, and I think, you know, if you can stay at two losses, you can hang around a little bit, but I think the loser of this game you can no longer talk about as a serious Pac-12 title Vegas contender, which makes it super interesting as well. 815 votes now on the poll at John Canzano BFT on Twitter. Utah getting 60% now of the vote. Uh, USC sitting right around 40% on that. A lot of interesting comments. Uh, Coming back, uh, we'll go around the Pac-12 a little bit, plus the path for Oregon. I promised it. The path to the college football playoff, it's not as complicated as people are making it. I think Oregon can get there, but it needs to do three things and three things only to get there. I'll talk about them next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Peter Sampson and the Pulse coming up top of the hour in Portland on 750 the game. What's Peter got on the show today? Is Peter hanging around there? Uh he's he's Can't prepping out. That. Yeah, he's prepping out in the other uh, studio. But is he stretching? Yeah, he's yeah. he's warming up. He's got the Braves on. He's watching the Braves. I know I know Peter just by following him on Twitter, I know he's got some some strong blazer thoughts and then I know he's uh he's got the Braves on. So the show pretty much right writes itself these yeah. days. Yeah, I talking love that. talking to Peter before before your show earlier in the day about the Blazers, uh, he definitely has the Blazer thoughts. That is for sure. And strong ones, but that did you guys see this major story involving Jamie Foxx? I didn't. didn't okay, I? so I guess Cardi B, who's having a birthday party, it's her birthday. Jamie Foxx showed up to the party, brought 10 people with him, and apparently they didn't know he was coming, so they didn't have room for him. He was denied entry. Mm. Never see that happen in Hollywood. Wow. But for people who don't know who Cardi B is, Sean, can you help us with that? Cardi B is just a, you know, she's a female rapper, and... Her music's pretty eh, in my opinion, even yeah. though I do like hip-hop music. But a lot of people do get down with it, and that's really all I have to say about it. I, Apparently, she's a female rapper. he showed up in a white Rolls Royce, and the paparazzi was there. And he took his shoes off. He, cha- he has driving shoes. And he took his driving shoes off, and then he put his party shoes on. I, I, I got to get some driving shoes. I need to go to Shoe Mill and say, hey. Where where are the or Birch's shoes, and get get the driving shoes. Yeah, what what would be the best driving shoes? I don't know. Apparently he's got it. Apparently the paparazzi thought they looked identical. They said they they couldn't really tell the difference. But Mr. Life of the Party went up, and he had ten people with him, and he he had to do the embarrassing walk of shame back to his car. Mm. And apparently, uh, um, somebody came running out. 
after they realized that he was denied entry and he was getting into his car and he said, no, it's all good. It's all good. I love you, but it's too much. He, I think he was embarrassed that they didn't have room for him. And then when they found out that he was sitting outside, they went running out and tried to get him in there. Like, how does that happen? I, I don't even know. Did it, did it just not recognize him or like, what, you know, because it's Jamie Foxx. Like, you would know yeah. that, right? And you just let him in. Like, why would you say, no, you're not coming unless you're beefing with him? And then I don't know. Are, is Cardi B and Jamie Foxx beefing, Sean? Uh, I can't say I follow this world too much. I, I know some other stuff that's going on around the hip-hop world, like Kanye West getting kicked off Twitter. But I, I can't say I follow Wait, with, what's yeah. up? Wait, so give us what you oh, do you know. don't even want to know. Yeah, I do want to know. Kanye West has been up to some stuff. Uh-oh. What's he doing? Well, not good. Stuff. He's appearing on he's appearing on you know political uh, yeah. networks. Okay. He's he got his Twitter back and he sent off maybe three tweets that since getting the Twitter back and they were all very very flagrant. One of which was very very offensive to a certain community, and okay. he has since been kicked off Twitter. Kanye I, West. Yeah, I think he he likes to be kicked off Twitter. Some people you know some people if you can't handle being on Twitter. You shouldn't be on Twitter. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you know you're bad if you know Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. They had the yeah they had the they had the buckle down because he was he was unscathed uh, on Twitter. I'll tell you that much. You can look it up if you want to look it up. I don't need to look it up. I just that's why you're here. You're you filled me in. I, that's all I need to know about that. But if Jamie Foxx shows up with ten people, is that poor form to bring ten people to a party? I think I think that it's too many people. That's probably what set off the alarm bells with the people at the door. They're like, we, we, we don't have room for 10 people here. We don't have like a VIP section. You're not on the guest list. If it's Jamie Foxx and like four people, that's a different equation. Well, what's the size of your entourage, John? It's uh, me and uh, you and Sean and Anna and you know whoever else. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know the proper <laughs> the proper number of entourage members you can have. Like 10 does sound like a lot, but maybe that's average in that world. Do you have like do you is any do either of you have a story like in college you know friend shows up and brings 14 people with them to your house and do you deny them entry like is there a is there a number where it becomes poor form where you're like dude I'm not having 10 people you know I invited you and one other. Well, it's interesting because I went to college during COVID. So my senior year, I had a little house and we were really, really close knit about who was allowed in our house. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily leaving anyone out. But yeah, there was times where, you know, maybe we invited a friend over. Like, you know, one of my roommates during my senior year, hopefully he's not listening. Like oftentimes he would bring some friends over without our permission, which is totally cool in normal times. But during COVID, we were like, man, like that can't be happening. Like we're not trying to get sick. So you asking that question kind of reminded me of that. Is it is that cool though in normal times but like tell me about that whole relationship you have with the roommates like did you have to clear that like I I actually think it's poor form in normal times cuz other people live in the house like What's the number of people where you where you'd feel like you need to consult with the roommates? Mm, I, I'm gonna say over three. I'm gonna say over three. I think a couple a couple friends is cool, and a, I, I categorize a couple friends as being three. But I think if you have over three friends, you know, if you're bringing over three people, then yeah, you have to you have to get permission on that. When I was younger, I didn't really want to meet new people, so I'm with you, John. Like. <laughs> You didn't really want to like have new people come in. I didn't want that. So if you're being like a friend, that's fine, and I can meet them. You know, I have I have limited friend spots, so I I, I didn't want to meet all these new people. Yeah, I I think too that like there's a whole I I can remember being in college like there was a whole uh you know a whole code to like if you're going over to somebody else's house I got invited but I want to bring Stephen and Sean with me 
do I have to call and be like, hey, I want to bring these two people with me? Or what if I'm already there, but I tell you guys, hey, I'm at my friend's house, and you guys show up? That's even worse. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be more communication, right? Like if I'm hanging out with somebody and I get invited to a house, I'm going to say, yeah, but I'm hanging out with this person. Is it cool if they come over too? Like I'm not just going to show up and bring random people. I feel like that is bad form. There you go. Uh, on Twitter right now, by the way, uh, I have a lot of USC followers, apparently, or USCL, or Utah followers. About 61% now of the 890 votes are cast for Utah. I, I, I actually think it's a closer game than that. I'm not sure who I'm going to pick. I'll give my pick on tomorrow's show. We'll give all of our picks on tomorrow's show. I want to hear from Peter Sampson. Uh, can you guys get him on here? I want to know what he's going to talk yeah, about. I'll go, I'll go get him real quick. Kind of go grab him. He's watching the Braves game. Chance to tease his show. Get, you know, the Pulse is coming up with Peter Sampson, for those of you listening, on 750 The Game in Portland. And Peter, I think, is going to talk a little bit about the Blazers, who all of America are down on after seeing the preseason. I feel like maybe I should be zigging while everyone is zagging. Like, maybe I should be the guy banging the drum going, the Blazers are going to be great this year. But I just don't, I, I don't trust them. Peter! going on man oh man trying to uh see my braves through to a uh, game, uh series tying victory here what's the score give us the update Come uh on. nothing for- yeah nothing nothing <laughs> it's been a great pitcher's duel after a long rain delay it's my kind of yeah. baseball there you have it the braves trying to hold on in a nothing nothing game <laughs> how, uh, how long hey. was that rain delay Oh, what, like three hours, something like that? Like, what do you do? You just stay. I've never been at a stadium when there's a rain delay. Do you just. I have. Do you just drink the whole time? Pound beers, yeah. You go into the concourse, you get out of the rain, and you hang around, and you decide, do you want to. How long do you stay there? But, um, by the way, uh, what are they doing now? Have they started back to play? And. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's top of the sixth now, okay. and, and it's shocking because a rain delay generally, you you know, starting pitchers they have their rhythm. You have your momentum. This can throw you way off. We've got a pitchers duel, really rare. Yeah. Normally, you see someone come in, struggle with command, and give up a couple runs immediately. So it's it's kind of unique. The Braves announced during the delay that all food and non-alcoholic beverages were discounted fifty percent off until the first pitch. During the weather day, why go non-alcoholic if you're the Braves? Because <laughs> uh, you don't want some bozo streaking onto the field and tackling somebody. <laughs> well, I asked that question because I did see a video of a fan at the Atlanta game. He had a shirt like over his head and his, you know, his chest was exposed. He was like pounding his chest, just screaming. So I just figured <laughs> that's what you do in rain delays. You just go crazy. Yeah, it's you. And by the way, not not a good job by him getting that shirt off, right? <laughs> right. Like you get. You get that shirt off quickly. Yeah. Uh, Peter, on. you, Peter, the, the Blazers have not been good in the preseason, Ugh. okay? They, they laid an egg. Um, there's other teams like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's like 0-4. But why do we not trust the Blazers, but we trust, like, the Bucks and other teams? Man, proof of performance. And, it, look, going 0-4, 0-5 in preseason on its face is not a big deal. But I have seen... Nothing. And you know me, John. Uh, deep down, I'm just a fan of this team. That's just right. what I am. But I've seen nothing that instills any confidence. It's one thing if it's the Warriors or the Bucks and they're playing their second string guys and they're trying to get them better at defense or introduce a new wrinkle. They're just trying to institute, what, guard the pick and roll, not give up the three. They're playing their starters heavier minutes. Uh, I mean, you can only take away so much from preseason. I am very, very concerned, John. There you go. If you're a Blazer fan, Peter Sampson's concerned 
I share your um, Groundhog Day feeling when I'm looking at this team. Do you think, like Stephen and I were talking about this earlier in the show, like one of the ideas that Blazer fans are up against is Chauncey Billups as a coach. Are we going to learn anything about Billups this season? I think we might. And I think he got a pass last year, which which was fair because that wasn't a real basketball team. But again, the, just the scheming that I'm seeing, it's not just the lack of execution. It's really, that's your scheme in the NBA coming into 2023 that you're going to blitz like that? It's... I wonder, and when I say wonder, I think I know the answer about whether or not this was a uh, good hire. There you go. All that coming up, Peter Sampson and the Pulse, top of the hour. We should go 50% off all beverages and all food until (laughs) Peter Sampson's show open starts. Get to the concession stands now. All right, we're back tomorrow with another great show. Jaden Grant on tomorrow's program. I promised you Oregon's path to the college football playoff. I'm going to start tomorrow's show with it. Uh, Peter Sampson of the Post coming up. Grab a podcast of this show. Uh, not here for a long time, just a good time. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.